Do you prefer your podcast to have solo narrators to two people telling private jokes? Are you looking for a podcast that is about true crimes and unsolved mysteries and not, I repeat, not two friends hanging out and rambling about nonsense? Do you like podcasts that stay on topic 100% of the time? If you answered yes to these questions and reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast, it's not for you or the folks that left us those one-star reviews. We are just two pals who love the 1990s show Unsolved Mysteries and have no interest in actually solving mysteries from the episodes we watch and recap. Come get spooked with me, Robert, and my friend and relatively normal woman, Crystal, every two weeks as we talk stack, ghosts, UFOs, food, and occasionally crime on Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilly. I am Rob Schulte. Oh. I definitely stuck the R on that one because uh, last week we talked AVP and this week we're talking AVPR. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. And a lot of times people screw it up. Hey, guess what? We have screwed it up in the past, Bill. First movie, Alien versus predator this one is aliens versus predator colon requiem there's so much to this title there's such subtlety and nuance to this movie i'm not surprised that they even tripped us up with the title and this this movie takes place a lot out in the street i'm surprised they didn't spell aliens with a z and i'm surprised each alien and each predator Actually, I guess I should say each xenomorph and each predator didn't have its own theme. And like uh, like uh, the baseball furies are the xenomorphs. Yeah, although, you know, because this is the second one, I was kind of hoping since these are a couple of 80s franchises, sort of, that maybe they would have gone with more of a Aliens, Predators 2, Electric Killaroo, some Ooh. kind of massacre type where they just break dance in the middle of everything and that's how all they're just throwing that deadly spinner disc that is such a wonderful part they just kind of do the backspin kick out a leg fling it off that way but now they went with a different take i gotta tell you bill i do i if i have to look back at this series so far i think one thing that I'm remorseful of is the fact that we haven't talked about the alien spinner disc enough. This is true. You know, that, it, that was such a, I mean, we talked about it in predator Two. Mm-hmm. you know, when it was birthed into cinema, but man, what a move it is. It's a great move. And you know, it was a move that was very much a favorite of our guest for predator Two. Yes. For when, when we had Blay on, he had that on there, and he really liked that move and how the added a few little 
lights and a little extra stuff to it along the way. It's just that kind of nice little progressive move. It charts the the progress of these movies. It's as the spinner disc evolves and grows up, you know, eventually it's probably going to get its own movie. You yeah. know? Oh, I, I would hope so. And, and it'll just be, it'll be like when they're off to college and you just have to let them go. It's that kind of parental thing. So, you know what I'm looking at here, Bill, you, you know, us talking about Blay again, like, so thankful to have him on the podcast, but now this is two intros in a row that we have we've brought him back up. That's just the impact he had on that episode. Yeah, but he was I'm, great. He's a video game guy, big in that world. I'm looking back at all of the Alien versus Predator video games. Oh man, there are so many that. Alien versus Predator Extinction came out in 2003. Aliens versus Predator Classic 2000. Alien versus Predator 2 2D Requiem 2007. AVP Evolution 2013. Aliens versus Predator 1999. Alien versus Predator 1993 for the Super Nintendo. Aliens versus Predator 2 Primal Hunt 2002. Aliens versus Predator Requiem 2007. Alien vs. Predator, 1994. Alien vs. Predator, The Last of His Clan, 1993. Alien vs. Predator 3D, 2005. Alien vs. Predator 2004. And then there's still Aliens from 1990. Predator 2, the video game that we talked about. Predator Concrete Jungle, 2005. All of these games can't be that good. <laughs> I'm not saying they're, they're going to be no. good games. But there's no. so many. Oh, well, it just goes to show you if there's an ounce of money to wring out of a franchise that <laughs> somebody's going to do it. But now I'm not a big gamer, Rob. You play a lot more than I do. So I don't sure. know. Would you call yourself a hardcore video gamer or just an experienced gamer? How would you rate? Uh, here's the thing. I would think when you start saying hardcore gamer, those are the type of people who like throw controllers against the wall. Fair and enough. Like, and and they get angry at gaming. I never really get angry at gaming. I, I will turn a game off when I at my first sense of like raising my frustration. Like Probably I healthy. I I love playing video games, but I love being able to play video games I can press pause on. Uh, you know? And it's probably a very healthy way to be. I'm not big on it. Never have been. I understand the appeal, but that's one thing. I can see making all these games because that is a technology that improves. So the better it looks, the more fun it is to play. I remember the first time I played X-Wing. It was great. Oh, now, yeah. by today's standards, graphics, probably not that great, but I loved it. All I want to do is shoot TIE fighters and hear the noise. That was great. So it also goes to tell you, as much as... Hollywood will make these movies. I think everybody secretly just wants to be a predator or an alien and just go nuts with all that stuff. So you can get to oh, do that yeah. in a video game. You can't do it in a movie. So I understand that. Maybe they should just do those things. Well, I guess they do now because they put gameplay on YouTube. So they've got, everybody is kind of making their own movie with the video game. So ah, that's me inventing a thing that's already been done. <sighs> well, good, good job, Bill. It's okay, Bill. It is okay because you know what? Just like Must See TV Thursday, if you haven't seen it, it's new to you. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Here's and I think I TV. think on that note, Bill, maybe maybe we should get started into today's episode. Yeah, because much like that, we must see this movie. And we did. And now it's time to talk about 
Aliens versus Predator Requiem. I got this Predator Omnibus wow. book, which consists of Concrete Jungle, Cold War, and Big Game. Mm. Now, these were the Predator comic books. If I re- This is what I was attempting to buy, the omnibus of those comic books. But no, this is the novelization of the comic books, which I didn't know was a thing. I knew novelizations of movies. I mean, my buddy Mike Sachs, you know, he writes fake novelizations for movies that never existed. Sure. But a novelization of a comic book. Is there no end to how we won't cliff notes down the world? This is like saying, I'm going to make this thing that you're reading anyway and take away the reason for you choosing this medium, which was the pictures and the art. Yeah, it's a little bit weird of a thing, but I guess I suppose if you were somebody that's like, I'm not going to go out and collect all these comic books. I just want to know the story. True. That would it's reference material. You wouldn't have to yeah, you're right. jam yourself through there. But I don't know, Rob. I think later on down the road, once I know that you're so taken with this franchise that you'll be <laughs> writing your own Predator Alien fanfic slash soon to be released material that you'll need that on your desk. Well, I do have a lot to say about eggs hmm. in this app. Uh, I could talk about eggs a lot. I love to have them for breakfast and Yeah. Give me that tiny little quail I, egg. I think eggs are making a comeback, Rob. That it, it seems to be everywhere. That that visualization. Well, and the fact that they lied to us about all that cholesterol information in the '90s. But anyway, this is not a health food podcast, Bill. No. And today we are watching Aliens versus Predator: Colon Requiem. Would you like to get into the mission briefing and let everyone know what this film is about? I think I have the encryption codes to unlock the omnibus material right here. Typing them in. All right. It's on screen. It's come up in green type. Oh, yes. As it always does. Red hieroglyphics. And we're taking our material from the most trusted sources, the back of the of the video box. Of course. So... And to be clear, aliens, plural, versus predator, this title is not a lie. Requiem. After a horrifying predalien crash lands near a small Colorado town, killing everyone it encounters and producing countless alien offspring, a lone predator arrives to clean up the infestation. Soon, it's an all-out battle to the death with no rules, no mercy, and hundreds of innocent people caught in the crossfire. As the creature carnage continues, a handful of human survivors attempt a daring escape, but the U.S. government may be hatching a deadly plan of its own. Ellipses. Crossfire. It is. And, you uh, get caught up in the... It's awesome. And if you happen to see this poster around, uh, the tagline for this movie, I think... Wonderful seasonal marketing won't carry you through the year, but this movie came out at Christmas time, and the tagline is This Christmas, there will be no peace on earth. <laughs> you have to say it in that voice, too. There's just I, no other way to do it. 
I miss movie guy. I miss the old yeah. style of trailers and those things. And I miss seeing movie posters. So that always makes me laugh. I, I think it would have been a great job to just be tagline guy. Oh, that would be great. You know, I was very happy. I don't see this much or maybe I'm just watching the wrong things, but I saw a promo for something that's going to be on Apple TV plus. And at the end of the movie, it was like, available in theaters or on Apple TV plus or whatever it was, but it was like, Oh man, I remember hearing like when and where you could see something. That's great. Or like, sure. It's Christmas, you know? Yeah. Uh, in old time. Yep. It was a good time now on home video for the yes. very first time. Yes. It's okay. And before we get into the film though, Bill, that does remind me of when they tried to advertise for DVDs on a VHS tape. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like explosions and helicopters and like the volume would be louder. And just yeah. be like, experience the performance. And so there is in no way I can experience the performance in what you're doing here. Yeah. The, the crib sheet, I think, for those events just said explosions, loud type, yeah. and then movie ad. Just tack yeah. it in there. It was great. Oh, man. As we said, this movie is a sequel to last week's with a title that's slightly different, which makes more sense for the movie, I guess. But, Bill, do you have any military intelligence? Cracking open the yellow manila folder right now. This movie is actually what you say it is. It's kind of weird. This is the movie I hadn't seen out of all of the yeah. Predator movies to date. I had only seen it in glimpses. And it's weird because this movie is a sequel to Aliens versus Predator. But it's really that. These two movies are kind of self-contained. It's yeah, sort of in the franchise because it is what it is. It's been disavowed by Ridley Scott and Wes Anderson. They <laughs> both say that these movies aren't canon, but they are. I mean, let's be The Valverde that. canon. They are in Valverde canon. So it's, it is a straight-up direct sequel because it picks up seconds after the last movie left off. So I found that kind of interesting just because they really didn't look so far beyond the last movie and then just yeah. sort of went, nah, let's go this way. What I found out about this movie was potential callbacks were interesting. Apparently, Danny Glover was considered they wanted to get him back as a retired Ooh. police officer, Harrigan. That didn't go anywhere, but that would have been an interesting twist. Uh, they wanted to get Bill Paxton in this movie to give him the oh, hat trick on these movies. He was apparently supposed to originally be the diner chef in this movie, but <laughs> scheduling problems came up. And the big one, which I think would have been neat, is the Adam Baldwin character from Predator 2 was supposed to be the military colonel. Oh, wow. Who's the main military antagonist in this movie, but scheduling conflicts kept him out of this movie. Now, so that would have been something. That would have been something, especially because this movie's a little weird. The Strauss brothers, the directors of this movie, put, intentionally went opposite direction of AVP. They didn't want <laughs> any of their styling choices. Uh, that movie was very steady, well lit. This movie, very dark. I'm sure, Rob, at some point, you yelled out the words relic. Yeah, I will get to it. But yes, I did. Yes. And they in the last movie, as we have mentioned in our review, very soft on the violence, really, even though it was the unrated version we watched this movie, not so much. They went for the hard R. Very, very hard R. 
I think they got it, but they didn't really get it as well as they could have. And oh I think my we'll, God, tell me about it. I, we'll uh, get into that too later on. So yeah, that's pretty much my gist. This movie is, uh, it's not the Easter egg fest that Alien versus Predator is, but it's an interesting watch. Let's, and I think we'll cover more of that down the road. So that's yeah, what I, I agree too. I think that this is a movie that made intentional choices to be a unique move film, but knew it had to build off of a film they didn't enjoy. Right. In terms it suffers, of it suffers from that whole canon problem of the minute you try to hit your film to some other piece of media, franchise or an, a specific film, your hands are a little bit tied. And sometimes trying to untie that knot makes new knots to the point where a little behind the pod viewers this is the first review where i'm uh drinking while i do it so <laughs> this movie caused me to have to break out the tequila to talk about it again yeah i i completely understand i had to have a big old sapporo while i was watching i think specifically if i want to point something out i do think it's funny that the predator that starts hunting the hybrid predator alien is named wolf after the Pulp Fiction character. And I think that that might be the most depth any character has in this film. Hard agree. And behind the scenes, the Predator-Alien hybrid was referred to as Chet. And that just evokes a whole other experience with me. Did you have any like minute pieces of detail that jumped out at you not really for all intents and purposes it's very cut and dry with what it's trying Jesus. to do but it's yeah but its tones really were so on the nose because i i love the beginning i'll say that because my big complaint with the last movie was it's the monster movie problem you had some cool monsters and you want to watch them fight with a completely unnecessary human story in there and for the first yeah. 10 minutes of this film they get right into it, and then it took a turn. Well, I thought that it was going to keep a certain pace with how much it started, and then it like changed settings dramatically. Like once I realized, like, oh, this is where the movie takes place in Colorado. Okay, that'll be cool to see, like a predator in the jungle of in the united states um yeah and and that would be fun but then it was like well i need to know more information about the chet character here this predator alien hybrid what is going on and yeah the movie suffers from being incredibly dark again and we're not the only ones who say it i was watching a review the kill count on YouTube and he was like, I have to actually just like put a filter over this so I can show you specifically what I'm talking about in this scene. I know that like movies can look better in theaters, like you said on relic and I believe it, but I don't necessarily believe that this one was any better in theaters. I don't, I don't like it was, it was actively like hurting my old eyes. <laughs> like, well, it, it, it really got me irritated at some point. Yeah. Because as the movie progressed, once again, I'm like, I'm not enjoying the human story. So I'm going to focus Which on... Which one? Yeah, there's that. 
Uh, Maybe we get but, to that in debriefing. Yeah, we'll get to that. But as it went along, so I'm like, all right, I want to focus on the alien stuff. And you can't see it. You don't even see the Predalien in clear light no, once in this entire you can't movie. Tell. You cannot tell. Like, there are specific times that if you are not paying very close attention, and even when you are paying close attention, if it cuts to another scene, there are some, like, leading up to and after the sewer sequence where you're like, and especially the sewer sequence. Which one is the pred alien and which one is the alien? Yeah, I couldn't tell. And They really both have couldn't. giant tails that whip around and giant heads. Yeah, and one now looks like the other one somewhat. Yeah. So it was crazy. And it just made me think back to Predator, how we talked about how a bunch of that movie happens in daylight. Granted, you don't see yep. the Predator a lot, which is fine. Yeah. But when you do see it, you see what you're up against. And this movie buried that lead so deep that it never came out of it. And I just don't know if they got lost in the idea of what they were trying to do with the noir or as films are shot out of sequence and things are done at different times, but they just, it's this whole movie takes place in the dark and it's a shame because how do what, you, how do you be a filmmaker bill and like not even think about exactly what you just said? Oh yeah. The first movie is all daytime. All daytime. Even just that doesn't click with you and be like, oh, our movie is entirely at night or dawn. I don't know, because the the design and the and the setup of the monster is a big thing. That's what you yeah. showed up here for. They all the stories sure about Jaws. All this you know, like all of these things were less is more. Yeah, and Jaws has the thing going for it where once you realize it's a giant shark, I mean, we all know what a shark looks like. It's okay. Yeah, we don't, true. The, the size of the shark is what's when it finally yeah. shows up is what's scarce. But now we're several sequels. We know what an alien looks like. We yeah. know what a predator looks like. I don't know why you're hiding this from us because you're not helping anything. You've made a choice that you want to be known for. You want to purposely go against the last movie. And like that should not be your big decision about how your movie's made. It What it doesn't look like is not a reason to do it. What it does look like is a reason to do it. And I don't like the way the Strauss brothers shot this. And once I watched their interview, I found one on YouTube from the DVD extra. Oh yeah. They were just in love with the effects. They didn't say anything about the movie. And that told me a lot. Yeah. Well, let's tell our audience a lot about the score and the sound of this film in our section called settle the score. Bill, I think I see a pattern here from movie to movie, don't you think? Uh, yeah, well, there is a pattern forming within this particular franchise. I always like to talk about the music when there's something to talk about. Yep. My new hope for this franchise is that something happens that causes <laughs> me to not be talking about it the way I'm about to talk about it. Sure, so that would same. Be nice. But yeah, the score, once again, I wrote down serviceable but unremarkable. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't do a lot of pulls from the old films. It does a better job of it than AVP. Sure. Which I did like I that. And Brian Taylor, the composer for this film, did a lot of fun movies. He'd Rambo four. He worked on a movie. I personally love Bubba Hotep. Oh man. That's the first movie I ever saw at Liberty hall cinema in Lawrence, Kansas, which is an independent movie theater. 
That's amazing. I would love to have yep. seen that on the big screen. But he's also worked on the Fast franchises and the Marvel franchises. And when I was watching it, I'm like, that's what this is. It's that serviceable music. It doesn't really stick with me. It does the job that it's trying to do at the time. Stitches the scenes together. It does. It keeps the flow going until the very end. And I will <laughs> call it out at the end because at the end of the movie where you have your wrap-up moment, it switches into this weird triumphant space movie star trek sounding alex courage jerry goldsmith theme that is one million percent wrong for the end of this movie i don't know what's happening with it it's it's a triumph that this movie didn't earn the characters are still in turmoil there's no we blew up the death star moment but that is the that's the music you get and i don't know if he just had that laying around and patched it in or what but it is weird it goes totally towards everything that is weird about that move this movie which is like what is the film and it does feel like a patchwork quilt you know and that music is just that weird red thread used on the last corner to finish it because every <laughs> other thread is run out you know it is it just feels like they went back and did a reshoot and they're like well we didn't have any more music. we can't call the orchestra back in so no let's just do this yep that and it's it's unfortunate because you know we'll get into it because there's a lot i want to say in the debriefing but it's like we got these other segments that i do think deserve some actual talking about so Bill, let's move into who's going to have them some fun. There is a little bit of fun in this movie, uh, but the main fun was had esoterically outside the movie because I watched this movie with my fiance and about halfway in, we remarked that we didn't know anybody's name. Uh Much like the bridge crew of a certain science fiction show we've been watching <laughs> it's like i'm looking going i don't know any of these people's names I at think all they've said it i don't remember it and the girlfriend of one of the main protagonists who i now know his name is ricky and the girlfriend's name is jesse so you've got your male female boyfriend girlfriend section and of this is, movie. Are, is this the high school the high school just to lay it out there for everyone her and her boyfriend are the stereotypical people that are only on the movie to cause trouble and die very much so the boyfriend well the ricky who would like to be her boyfriend but can't yes, say it. Yes. the joke was it's like i said well her name's jesse and my fiance goes and his name's ricky right and i'm like do you think that's a, a rick springfield reference for jesse's girl and that was the most funny thing in there oh but, my god but i do have a real one rob i couldn't help it so <laughs> we know they they named the the Predalien, the alien-predator hybrid. Yes. So I'm giving it to our predator hunter. He appears to be having the most fun in this movie, who I have coined Schwartz a predator. Yeah. <laughs> because he, he basically takes on the Arnold role in this movie for me. He's a, he's a detective. He's an assassin. He's a killer. He's kind of like Batman, which is ironic because Batman fought a predator in the comics, yeah. which would have made a better movie yeah yeah i think he's just he's out there doing his job why he's there and why there's only one of them i'm sure we'll get to later but (laughs) he's my choice for the guy who's having or the person in this movie who's having the most fun the creature in this movie true chet chet's getting it um yeah mine was between wolf or chet and i think we're gonna have to go daily double here 
Bill, I mean, how is that alien not having the most fun? It's the only one of its kind. This is a limited time only situation for me. But I will say a runner up has to be the government official that's like, finally, I get to drop a nuke. Finally. Oh. <laughs> it's never going to happen. I'm the one who gets to do it. And he's, it's, yeah. it's on my own country's soil. Uh, okay, but like, I'm, it's for the greater good. Yeah, I, I I, that was like it. Yeah, this guy's got to be thrilled to be like, I finally got that speech I've had locked away in my desk to explain yeah. why we just set off a nuclear bomb on it's American been rewritten soil. every year. Yeah, every year since 1950. Yeah, it's fine. Nothing to see here. You know, we just took the one we told about Valverde. We crossed out Valverde. We wrote yep. in Colorado. Everything's great. This is actually an elaborate dare operation to eliminate the marijuana sales for the majority of the United States of America. <laughs> Dropping a nuke on Colorado and saying it was an alien invasion. Yeah, no, there's no John Denver fans in this movie. No. There will be no... Rocky Mountain mm -hmm. High. We blew it sky high. And I love the fact that it's all, they really troped it up because the command room for this general, of course, you know, when they're sending the flight out, we still get the the asteroid vet line vector artwork that shows the, the planes and the bombs. And I laughed <laughs> out loud when I looked at the map that showed this um, town and they drew a circle around it and it said 200 kilotons. <laughs> they hadn't said at that point that they were going to bomb the town. Yeah, yeah. But that kind of really flushed out the whole <laughs> Ocean of what was going on, right? We have intentions, <laughs> yeah. So no problem. I'm sure that's exactly how the military does it. They just have like a a French curve and a circle drawer that's like put your pencil here, make a circle. That's 200. Oh. Put it here is 300. Yeah, we're good to go. And like, don't even worry about potential fallout for the rest of the country. Now, Bill, that was fun, and it probably was that guy. Now that I think about it, but. There is another segment of the show that we call Playback Time. Playback Time is the scene that we would watch again. Or potentially maybe show someone else if we're like, you should watch this movie. I'm going to X that one off of this list because I don't think I'm going to... If someone wants to watch AVP colon R, then um, that will be a decision... They have made themselves. I don't need to help encourage that decision. But there are plenty of reasons to watch this film. Sure. I would say that my playback time scene, though, if I were to go back and watch a scene, I would... So there's a couple things I want to talk about here. But the scene itself, I think, would be the sewer fight. But I would need it to be brighter. I like want to see what's going on. But from mm -hmm. what I could gather, it looked very, very cool. So that's why I would... I would play it again. I would roll it back, baby, brighten it up, turn that knob. But I wrote down something that I feel like this is the only place it can fit. And I hope we can discuss it before I hear your playback time. Oh, I'm sure we can. Um, thank you. So all of the non-alien scenes where we see, like, the woman who's got a war vet husband or the cops or the high school kids or college kids or whatever... All of these like non-alien scenes. I have a hard time explain, explaining it, but they're too smooth. And it was like a very specific film style for this mid-2000s, right? Like mm -hmm. the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street and like the remakes of, of just that era. You know, I, I don't remember when 
I didn't actually see the Friday the 13th remake, but specifically that Nightmare on Elm Street, this film, not quite the faculty. The faculty still felt grainy, and I guess this has got to be the switch to digital, but at the end of the day, it reminds me of early 90s movies that were shot on tape. You know, they looked like movies because the camera technology was movie technology, but they were so high quality, they looked low quality. Well, I'm glad you said it because something was bugging me about that. And now that you've mentioned the quality of the image, I guess that's true. It looks very, oddly enough, and this is the wrong way to put it, it's filmed. It's really staged. It has the authenticity of a federal credit union commercial. Now that I think yes, about it, yes. it's very put on. It's got a little bit of a Michael Bay vibe. Uh, yeah, I think. like a distant blurred background. So the people pop up front a little more. Yeah, like a very Armageddon look to it. When you look at people in Armageddon, their close ups and everything, they're put in this weird contrast because I, they're all kind of given a little bit of like a hero treatment. Like there's no yeah. just kind of flow of moving in and out or long shots or everything. Everyone's a hero close. in this. Everyone's, well, I will debate that. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> but everyone is... He's shot this like movie. a hero. And it, this is our introduction to them. So all these scenes are put in this movie as this human story. And I'm sure it's the point where, like, these are the people you're supposed to care about. But I don't. I wind up not mm-hmm. during this mm-hmm. movie. And it's not that thing, because we know this is a movie. So it's not like I'm like, I don't care about people and whether their town survives. If this was a real thing, of course I would. But... Their stories are presented in these quick little vignettes. So, and they're so bland and they're so common. They they catch us up immediately, but they don't impress us at all. No, and we don't know a single person in this movie from another movie. There are no carryovers. There's no new actors. There's no yeah. old actors. There's no point of reference to even the last movie. This is not anyone from the same crew. No. This is a totally different thing. And I think what this movie suffers from is the fact that they're all ordinary. There's no time in this movie to develop anybody into anything other than we're introduced to a military person who, of course, like Rambo, is good at all military things regardless of what she's done. We don't even know. Yep. And it's just weird. It just it pumps you straight in, and it's like this is another sign to me of like if you can do this, you didn't need it. We didn't yep. need this part. And yep. it really makes me feel like – and I'm going to throw this out here in this segment because we're talking about these people, Rob – Reimagine this movie. I'm going to change one thing about it. Same thing, same beginning, same alien sif, same ship crash, Colorado, but instead of this weird little small town with ordinary people, crashes in a survivorist camp. Ooh. And this thing goes full. So they're like off. living off the land. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Ooh. With some interesting people and a group of people who are already. You get on the outskirts got, of culture and society and like yeah. play by their own rules. Yeah. And they thought, you know, the government coming was going to be the worst thing ever. They were wrong. And that's your yeah. tag. And that I think really would have been would something be awesome. where I would have been more interested in learning a little bit about these people as they go along versus all their, their interpersonal stuff and their family problems. It's like, this is not these, these are not the movies to solve these things in. That not doesn't make all. me care about you. So it was a bummer. Yeah. But you're right. It really 
it really hit me hard that just like now that I realize what you've said that the film style made me care even less about what's yeah. going on. No, it's true. The the characters aren't authentic, and then to see them in inauthentic surroundings is just like my phone is begging me to grab it. You know, <laughs> like just this is more entertaining. Yeah, and it really like, and I got to throw one more thing in there because you mentioned it. The sewer scene. I have a question. Yeah, Rob. Ricky, the guy who gets his keys thrown down the sewer, he's driving like a 1972 GMC pickup truck, which mm-hmm. I've owned these cars. You can have mm-hmm. keys made at any Ace Hardware. Yep. He goes back with his brother in the middle of the night to go get his keys out of this giant sewer. Would you do that? Why doesn't this guy have no. another set of keys? No, he's got. A, it's so stupid. Bill, what's your playback time? <laughs> I had to think about it, and mine is not deep at all. It was just a. It was just a wild moment. It's when uh, Jesse. The girlfriend of Ricky. Yeah, so yes. Her death by Predator Shuriken <laughs> while attempting to run through the hospital. Accidental death. He doesn't mean to kill her, but she's running through a hall on the other side of a fight, and he launches that big metal shuriken, which I still say is a tribute to Aaron Playhart because he loves the big metal Predator <laughs> yep, shuriken. Yep. That's for you, Aaron. Goes to the wall and just lifts her up off the floor and pins her to it, and she is our first real main character death we lose some side antagonists along the way but she's the first one to go and she goes out spectacularly so i gotta give them credit for that one they took her off the board in a way that made me rewind the the movie and watch it again and go did that just happen that wasn't just some night nurse going through there that got left behind nope and probably good to get out now rather die by shuriken than acid blood now or, or to have to watch this movie again Hey, yeah, and speaking of bleeding to death. Now, I started off the last one and took us on to a huge tangent. Would you like to start off this one? I sure would. And, hey, tangents are a business, Rob. We're here to talk it's about true. this movie. But uh, it's true. I don't think that's going to be a problem for me this time because put it down on your calendar here, podcast viewers. My answer is... What death made an impact? None. I have yes. none written down. I'm like, I cared about no one in this movie. And that includes the aliens and the predators because they don't give me anything to work with on this movie. Everything, nothing in. Okay. I'm getting worked up here, Bill. Yeah. The deaths do serve a purpose to get them the R rating they want. But half the time, I can't even see them, Rob. So all yeah. that is just for nothing and if you're going to watch these movies let's face facts you're in it to see some wild gore and i didn't see it i very rarely saw it we saw some gross stuff for sure but yeah i think overall this movie is way more violent obviously but the entertainment is unbalanced and it's not earned and so like when they do the scenes that are like homages to other films it's so not earned and then like the technical side of it being dark as shit makes everything frustrating how do you be like oh yeah that kill is actually really good but it was uh you couldn't see it so it's like no it's not really good then because they did a poor job executing that film like that's like the stunt person could have been great and all of the people portraying the aliens and predators that they did do a great job for sure the scenes, the things that actually are the outcome of all of the pieces put together to make the thing is terrible. So it's all for nothing. It's yeah. Nothing. 
And I have to agree with you. So nothing jumps out since so much is unearned. But within this bleeding segment, there's the time when the Chet hybrid leaves like the multiple eggs in the woman and then like three chest bursters come out of one person. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be the reveal that like this predator alien hybrid can leave multiple eggs. It's like, I thought that like, how about that? It's just a alien predator hybrid. That's pretty fucked up in itself. Yeah. And it was plenty to play with. I think they so got lost in their fun ideas. At one point, oh. uh, Schwartz, a predator whips out an actual whip weapon, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yes. And I read that the brothers, once they came up with ideas for this, they're like, we like that effect. That's good. We like that. It's like liking a cool effect is not a reason to put it in your movie. And it's not a linchpin of your thing. It's just not the way it works. It doesn't, no. it doesn't matter if I can't, one, if I can't see it. And also I think, Oh, there's a lot of debate these days. You and I know Rob from listening to other sci-fi, one in particular about canon always comes up. Sure. Me personally, I'm a fan of canon. I don't have a problem with doing new things or trying new things. I don't even have a problem with if you really want to go in a different direction. It's like a consistent storyline. Exactly. Reboot it and do your own thing. But when you're building a, a couple of sequels off of the backs of a thing, like we came here for the A and the P in this yeah. movie. And when you make a drastic change out of nowhere, those of us who've seen this before, it just throws me for a loop. I'm like, where is this coming from? This was never a thing before. And it just because it looks like the other thing it shot out of, why does it have this new ability? I'm like, yep. this movie just, it's, it kind of makes me think of the inventory bag on a video game, which is infinitesimally large. You can carry yeah. anything in it you want, even though your character on screen still runs around with a net, with a fanny pack on. Yep. Yep. It's just not good. The only thing I had bleeding was my eyes after. Yes. On that note, Bill, because I think this will be a good spot to head into debriefing and then we can rate it. But when an alien has a face hugger that leaves a chest burster, the chest burster is an alien, is the xenomorph. Right. But when they do it to a predator, it's a hybrid? Yeah. Why? 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 And why wasn't this part of the last movie? Like, none of those predators went down in the first movie, and they didn't know about this? This never happened before? It just uniquely happened to one predator for some reason? I haven't seen Prometheus or any of the prequels to Alien where I have seen the scene where like a xenomorph skin goes over a human. So that leads me to believe humans created xenomorphs, which then did the yada, 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 yada. I don't need to know. Still doesn't matter in this film why an alien chestburster out of a predator makes a hybrid alien predator. No, it doesn't. And I think this, it would be a good stopgap for sequels. If you're looking at your movie and you're thinking, Look, we've seen that, and I don't have anywhere to go with it, so I need to invent something else uh-huh, to put it on there. Uh-huh. That means you don't need to do it. Yep. So go do something else that looks kind of like the thing you're doing and invent your own new universe. And I would probably be cool with it because I don't know that universe. And I don't mind looking at other things where i like, oh, I see that's influenced by Alien. Then that's cool or or not cool based on its own merit. 
But if your thing is like, we have to make this movie and we have to do something new. Well, why do you have to do something? Yeah. new? Why can't you just do something in that universe that's different in a different story or a different place? That's cool within ding, ding, ding. make me enjoy it. And yep. instead, yeah, we got to just keep reinventing the story. And that just leads to a big old mess of confusion. And you know what it's Rob. We both work on the corporate side of things. You love it when you go into a meeting and there's five new faces you haven't seen. And you're like, Oh, 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 I agree with you. I think that this is difficult because it's still fun. I still like watching these films. Agreed. And I still love the knowledge gathered, yada, yada, yada. But, like, I don't understand how a film can be made that's this dark. (laughs) What is going on? Who did this? I just... And why are there so many stories? Like, how did this get so fucked up? Did Because the, the original script of this movie ca- could not have been like, and then we meet these people, and then we meet these people, and then we meet these people, to, but don't forget about the cop, and don't forget about the ex-con, and don't forget about this. Oh, but also there's an alien-predator hybrid that's being hunted by both one predator and a group of aliens. And it's like, who sat there in the table and said, Oh yeah, green light that. And then to also have it be dark as shit? Come on. I don't know how they physically filmed it. I don't know. They just let leave the lighting at home. I guess they save money because there's no rigs up. We need to late fees this. What are we rating it? This late fee was a little bit of work (laughs) because we've run a pretty good line on this movie and i will say i agree with rob it was uh-huh. still fun to watch now i think part of the fun for our friends that listen to our show is that you know they can listen to this and decide whether or not they want to watch it or not you and i have we have fun in the whole process of it so sure. but if i were just to sit down and watch this movie my thing would be when i was done i'd be disappointed i can forgive a lot of what goes on in the middle of it but i don't want to be disappointed when i leave And this movie was disappointing. It could have been a fun romp, but honestly, the last movie we said that about, it could have been a fun romp, which leads me to believe we only needed one Alien versus Predator movie. Yeah, and uh, we still haven't gotten it. No, we still haven't gotten it. If you've taken all the alien parts out of both these movies and just got rid of all the humans, jettison all that baggage, put us, give us one 90-minute, one-time mashup movie, We'd have been good to go, but that's not what we got. So this movie had some fun stuff. I can't for the life of me understand how predators function. I can't understand why they would dispatch one predator who apparently has flight recorder powers to watch everything that's going Put on. That mask on. <laughs> and he decides he's going to do it on his own. Then the last movie took three. I don't get it. I don't get why when he flies to Earth, he gets crapped out of his ship a la he gets California rolled instead of, yeah. we know these ships land. I don't know yeah. why he shot his own spaceship off. I guess he, why did he listen to human voices? If he never used them, he had some cool tech that came with him. And one of the things with almost late fee was his bottles of blue goo, which was oh. just a alien be gone, just poured yes. it on there. And he billy all need them right out of existence. And I, I guess that was his tribute to the wolf. Character. Uh, That's oxy, not what I, something oxy clean related. It's yeah. gotta be, 
Billy Mays tool. Anyway. Exactly. But that's not what I picked. I picked a moment that caused an interesting conversation with myself and my fiance. It was at the beginning of the movie. And protagonist Ricky goes to Jesse's house. He's delivering pizza. He's a pizza delivery person. He's got four big pies in this thing. So he gets out of his truck, goes in the house, delivers pies. There's some angst. There's some bullies. Do all that stuff. And he goes, here's pizza. 53.50. Now this movie, I believe... 2007, Rob, is that correct? Mm -hmm. When this mm -hmm. film was made? Yeah. 2006, 2007, yeah. We, uh, my fiance and I looked at the other and goes, that's some expensive pizza. Is they're it? shopping local, Bill. They're, they're shopping, shopping local. local and they're also, why did they need that many pizzas? Yeah, there's four people in this house and they have yeah. four medium pizzas. Are they all going to eat? The whole scene just caused me, it was the best conversation I had in home. Oh, yeah. So, our, on, a, on a scale of one to five, those expensive pizzas, how many of those pizzas would you give up to keep Alien versus Predator colon Requiem for one more day to rewatch the one 30 seconds <laughs> you liked? Well, Bill, I would keep one pizza so I could have a meal throughout the day or two, but not to keep this film any longer. The film itself will sit there on the side and watch me eat the pizza. And that would be more entertaining than watching the film again for me. How about you? Wow. Bottomed out. You know, uh, we had to have one. Ooh. One of them had to get there. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to come in at the same uh, one. I, I don't need four pizzas. That's, or that's a lot for me, but it's a max of a one. This movie's just, it's a promise unfulfilled at the start. It's like, okay, we're going to give you more of what we didn't give you in the last movie. And then you gave me even less. Yep. So I'm kind of bummed and I'm giving, and it's not just the one pizza I'm giving. I'm giving back the one pizza out of the stack of five that does not have the cool cheese bubble and yeah. is nothing but cheese. Okay. Plain cheese. Just keeping everything else. Ugh. Anyway. Cause this movie didn't even have any cheese in it except for the point where, the Ricky's brother, who once again name it says escape me, the bad boy of the film, oh, who yes. I guess would be the hero of the film Next. because he's the oldest. No, the hero is the government guy who drops the nuke. That's true because he saves us from all, <laughs> he saves yeah. us from being in the same place. And I'm with all proud these people. to be in America. Yeah. Hey, if Lee Greenwood had shown up in this movie, that would have saved it. But his last, he's going to self-sacrifice, and of course, they go to the the roof to get into the helicopter to leave the hospital. And what does he say, Rob? Uh, he gives I... the line. He says, "Get to the chopper." And at that point, I screamed at my television. How dare you, movie? How dare you? That is the worst. Don't, don't. If you're not going to be a good movie and you're not going to be fun, don't take the hero's line and use it at your own. You clipped it in the last movie with the hero. They only said part of it. No. Bad uh, movie. I, they, I, it's like I said earlier, too much unearned stuff. Yeah. Like it's not cool. Yeah. But you know what is cool? When people slide into our social media DMs and send us a question. That is cool. And we like to call it going Dutch because we've given you this whole episode. And now you're giving us a question. And we'll be giving it back. Is it, you get it. Today's question comes from, well, before I should even say this, I go, we have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. 
We have ways to contact us. So contact us and ask us a question. We're going to be doing more series, and we will announce that at the end of this series. But that's a few more episodes away. Bill, today's question comes from Clayton in Florida. Oh, hello, Clayton from Florida. Yeah, hope you're staying cool out there. Yeah. Now, there's a caveat at the beginning of this message, and it goes, to be answered after watching Aliens versus Predator, colon, Requiem. Ah. Okay, so I have slotted it into today's episode. Hi, y'all. Big fan of Uxbridge Shimoda podcast. So, of course, I would come over and listen to you guys here on Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Uh, this is me pausing to say thank you. Bill, would you like to explain Uxbridge Shimoda podcasts? Uxbridge Shimoda is the company that produces the podcast Greatest Generation and The Greatest Discovery on the Maximum Fun Network and all your podcatchers. Uh, they're run by Adam Pranick and Ben Harrison, friends of ours, co-workers of mine, former co-workers of Rob's, good guys. They do re-review old and new Star Trek in a comedic and really fun way. And it's a great organization, great group of people, and just a lot of fun, which is what Rob and I are doing here. Uh, the main goal, have a lot of fun. So if you like that kind of stuff, Head over there and check them out. Uh, you can also a place you can find me. I'm their social media director for Twitter and Instagram. So if you message them, you message me. So that's yes. what that is. And so Clayton has this to say. I noticed that this movie has a colon in the title. How do you feel about that? And I think Clayton is alluding to Adam Pranica's theory of any movie that has a colon in the title should be approached with caution because you don't know if that colon is because you're telling a, a grand tale that is epic and a lot of thought has been put into it, or it's a grand tale that cannot be achieved by any filmmaker at all. <laughs> and I definitely think it is more on that side. When you see a colon, they, they will not be able to, make the movie as epic as that colon is. And this movie is an epic colon film. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Bill? Yeah, I believe all colons, regardless of any kind of status, should be approached with caution, but especially movies. I come from a time where you just, if you want to slap a two on it or a three on it, that's fine. But I think the when you've gone to that, level of we're going to put a colon and that's your way of putting your own mark on the franchise well guess what uh the franchise was here before you got here so if you're a fan and you want to play in that franchise and give us something fun to watch that's great but you're basically telling us that much like what comes after the colon my stuff is tacked on and that's never the best i just don't have a good time with those situations so yeah, I definitely approach all things, especially movies that have a colon in them with some trepidation. Just be ready. And if you'd like to challenge that theory, I encourage you to watch the film USS Indianapolis colon Men of Courage with Nicolas Cage. You'll get a couple of half bobs and enjoy it. We've survived the second meeting of the mm -hmm. alien versus the predator. We're still alive. <sighs> we're, we're that uncanny set of characters in the movie that everybody probably pegged for dead the minute we came on screen, but yet 
still there when the smoke clears and the and the choppas land. <laughs> and now it's time for us to put a pin in this and say, wow, what a movie. What what are you feeling right now, Robs? How you doing? Wow, what a movie. <laughs> Says it all. Good night, everybody. I love a sci-fi horror film with so much flannel. It's great. <laughs> I love when a movie is desperate to be like a, when a sequel is desperate to be better than the first because they know the first wasn't uh, as good as it could have been. Um, I've said my thoughts in the episode itself. It's it is what it is. I'm glad I watched it. I'm always glad I watched these things. You know, I'm always I'm I, the experience is what does it for me. You know. Yes. And speaking of experiences, Bill. I'd like to uh, read another message we got in. We got this one in a few weeks ago. Okay. Awesome. Well, a few weeks ago when this episode's coming out, it came in mere hours ago at the point of this recording, Bill. And this one it comes from Katie. And Katie resides in ooh, Montreal. Well, hello, Katie from Montreal. Yes. Um, Katie wrote in after we talked about Eliminators. The question has not much to do with Eliminators, but obviously something was on Katie's mind after we put out an episode on Eliminators. That's okay. And I'm into it because... Absolutely. Whatever sparks the question, I want to give the answer. Yep. All right. We're down. Does not have to be about anything we've done, just... What's your question, Katie from Canada? Katie says, hey, Bill and Robs, thank you for always having fun with your podcast and not getting to what do you thank you for always having fun with the podcast and not getting too angry when the movie may not be shining the brightest light on things. Okay, cool. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Here comes the question. Have you all ever considered watching any fantasy films and that Katie preferences this is like Lord of the Rings or that type of stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting, Bill, because I uh, I really like the Lord of the Rings, but I've only recently started uh, partaking in the reading of Lord of the Rings. Wow. Wow. That's a an undertaking, Rob. That's a lot of material to absorb. But would you put like... Oh, let me finish the letter real quick. Um, Stuff like Lord of the Rings, that sort of thing in terms of fantasy. Gotcha. Keep up the good work. I really appreciate what you do. And I enjoy laughing along with the podcast and having my own theories with you guys. Keep up the good work. Hey, thank you, Katie. Awesome. Thanks, Katie. Be sure to join the Discord and share all those theories with everybody. Absolutely. Link is in the bio. Yeah, Bill, I started you know, reading Lord of the Rings. But my question to you is like, Conan the Barbarian, that's that's fantasy, right? Sure, that's high fantasy type of stuff. And yeah. I like I like the movie Beastmaster oh. and, you know, those kind of movies. I, uh, Katie, I could tell you, nothing's off the table. And a little peek behind the kimono on this is when Rob and I first came up with this very first series, we're kind of working within the realm of things that we knew about. So we had the idea and we kind of ran through our mental checklist and plugged some things in. So 
we can only fit so many in for the first series. And I guess we kind of probably hit some of the favorites that we really wanted to share with each other, which is another part of this. But every one of these leads us to something else. So your idea is intriguing because I never thought to just look at it and go, oh, you know, maybe is there more and more fantasy type movie that's got an alien or predator just to it? If you know of something, please do share it with us. Yeah, if we're giving a little bit of behind the curtain sort of talk here, like we knew that Prey was coming out in August, but we wanted to launch the podcast before August or Mm -hmm. before August 5th, rather. And so there's this thing in the podcasting world where like it takes a certain amount of episodes before, you know, your, your podcast kind of at least raises up in searchability even. Mm -hmm. And so we thought this idea of doing like predator bubble movies that we've talked about in these previous episodes was going to at least be helpful to be like, okay, what is our predator prep? You know, let me pop that P into the microphone. But Mm -hmm. like, and so by doing a robo war, a relic eliminators edge of tomorrow, like these are all at least like alien monster type uh you know team movies like somehow it fits in there and we've talked about this time and time again so we didn't fit in a fantasy movie there but that doesn't mean that we don't have a series coming up where we would look at different fantastical masters of the universe beast master Conan the Master, <laughs> Conan oh, yeah. the Barbarian, Mega Force, Circle of Iron, all those. There's a million of them out there. And honestly, our list that we keep has grown exponentially since day one. So it will take Rob's and I about eight or nine years to ever get through what we've yeah. got so far. But it's but it great be- to think about and even look at. So we're always thinking, you know, what could be the next thing? And the other thing dear friend is when we recorded these episodes, we kind of did an every other one. So we do an off movie and then a predator and an off movie just to kind of shake it up. And we thought maybe we would release them that way, but you things change. And as you go along, and like Rob said, we didn't want to wait around. So let's get this out. And then the main event would be the predator thing. So if any of you out there are in podcasting, thinking about podcasting, I'd never done this before this much, this regularly. So it's fun to get involved and you'll be interested to see how you're, thinking will change as you go along and you're like, this seems like a good idea. And then you'll shift stuff around to what works well for you. So we would definitely take any suggestions for anybody that's even got a one-off that they'd like us to see. We'd just like to know about it. Even if we don't oh, get to yeah. on the show, we'll probably watch it someday. So we love the idea of themes and franchises, but like sometimes we just want to watch masters of the universe. You know, yes. and maybe that'll just pop in there. You never know. Okay. Uh, maybe we because, do a whole Frank Langella series. Who knows? That's whoa. what happens. We just we like the idea of a theme. That way it's not too restrictive so that we can get to all these different kind of things and not have to wait around. And then you guys also don't have to listen to an all sci-fi series of things or an all horror or an all comedy, any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah. we don't watch movies that way. So we don't want to talk about them that way. We want to do this. But I will be uh, still plotting my Planet of the Apes franchise, and I'm going to sneak it up on you, Bill. You don't even know when it's coming. Oh, man, I can't wait to do the Going Ape series with you, Rob. <laughs> and, and you know, we'll, we'll record a Planet of the Apes, and then we'll record in any which way but loose. 
Stinker lets loose. Yeah, and then we'll do. It'll be great. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and then you know we're gonna go back over and we're gonna do Congo. It'll be virtual reality. I know it'll be madness. (laughs) It'll be great. Wait, no, Congo. I think it was virtual reality in the book, but then it became like the diamond laser guns. No, in the movie it is VR. I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, when we watch Congo, we'll yeah. get there. It'll be in the uh, Going Ape series. And if you'd like to correct me on any of my Congo knowledge, please call the adventure line at 213-545-6176. That's 213-545-6176. Now, Bill, there's other things people can do, like join our Discord, or they can support our podcast at billandrobs.gumroad.com, or they can write us letters at billandrobs at gmail.com. I I still want to tell people to call that adventure line, though. The adventure line is worth it, everybody, because what you don't know is the adventure line is located downtown on top of a hospital that has been destroyed. But yet when that phone rings and it's an actual rotary phone with one button that has to be picked up by a human, when it does ring, Rob starts at one end of the roof and I start at the other end of the roof. And then we charge forward just like the predator and the alien. And then we fight for supremacy over who gets to answer that phone. And we Uh, do that every time you call. It's, it's not tough. We enjoy doing it, but just know that it is a feat to answer that phone. It is, but it's not a feat for you to call that number or just click the link to have to leave a message in the show description all of these things can be found in the show description the discord the one-time tip though the the support we love that financial support oh yeah um, and, and unlike things today we give you the product first and yes. then you pay if yes. you feel so inclined we're not Guess what as little as one dollar yeah and it makes a big difference. No subscriptions, no taking it out of your wallet when you're not looking every month. We give you the goods first, and hopefully you like them. And any support that you can give is very much appreciated. People love the goods, man. Mm-hmm. They do. We give them uh, the goods. Speaking of goods, there are some good folks that we should say thank you to. The First and foremost, you know, we kind of switch this up every single time. I want to say thanks to Patrick. Patrick is helping us edit these episodes. He started doing a lot more with them. And once once the Xenomorphs arrived, Patrick was arriving in his own spaceship to help us. If you join the Discord and ask for Patrick, he will give you a link to his podcast, which is a very niche sports podcast that, uh, hey, everyone loves a little support, right? Mm-hmm. Um what you can also do is join us in saying thank you to Mrs. Columbo, who has been doing some QA checks on our episodes. We finish the edits between Bill, myself, and Patrick. We go, I think this one gets a thumbs up. She listens to the episode and says, you know what? You didn't talk enough about the explosions. Bill, Rob, get back in the studio now and talk about the GD explosions and the GD garden lamps. She's a firm taskmaster, but fair and always correct. So everything to serve a perfect episode. Yes. You know? Uh Bill, what else do we got? We got Draxium and Dr. Z. What did they do? Well, they came out of their spaceship with some rock and extraterrestrial tunes that put the stamp on this show that you and I do. They do our theme music, they do our interstitials. It's great. They did a oh, great yeah. job. 
Uh, all I wanted was for that to rock, and they came through in spades. And please go check out their band camps. Links are in the description. Check out their other stuff. They're they're great. So just oh, give yeah. them a listen. Oh yeah, I I imagine Draxium and Doctor Z jamming into eternity on whatever spaceship is on every single Boston album. Yeah, that would be amazing. I, I think that's exactly the kind of heavy metal animation we need when eventually we do a live show in 2028 and we have them on stage. That's how yep. we'll do it. I agree. Uh, final thank you goes to Jothan, who did our podcast art. It's just better and better every time I look at it. And you know, I mean, I'm not going to do this, but you know if we're like, I think we need to add another character in this Looney Tunes circle, he'd do it. But he I'm would. only going to I'm only I'm waiting for that for the very special ask. You know, it, it can't just be willy nilly, you know. No, no. We respect him too much for that. And he's put his stamp on the show. He's give us our look. And I want that look to live for a long, long time. So thank you very much for that art. That was a, it's amazing. Yeah. And thank you, Bill, for another fantastic episode. We're reaching, you know, we're almost to the end of this series, brother. Uh, of of season one, as it were, what two more episodes? That's yeah. Then, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, and Bill, the end of this episode marks well, the release of this episode marks the day I am flying to your neck of the woods. Oh, because you're about to get hitched, and let me tell you. I am so glad that we have worked ahead so far on these episodes because after AVPR, we've got the P and then we've got P's. Everyone mm-hmm. gets it. We know what we're talking about here. And you're on, you're, you're on what we're calling wedding sabbatical after that because you need a couple weeks to friggin' breathe. Yeah, we're going to kind of do the born thing where... I'll tap out for a little bit and then somebody will come in. Although they won't be, he, Rob's not going to call we'll them see. ill. Not we'll go see. By my name. We'll, we'll see, see what works. happens. We've got two more episodes before we're even close to that. But what I do want to entice the folks with is that there's some fun surprises coming once we finish the Predator series and before we start the next series yep the series is racing towards an end i'm racing towards getting married rob's is racing towards ohio i'm not (sighs) sure how this is this is going to be quite the collision of of things coming together at one point so it's gonna be epic uh set your watches everyone because it's it's happening anyway bill we've got another episode next week with the predator the predator the one and only Predator. How can it different from? How can it be any different than the movie that's just titled Predator? I guess we'll find out next week, and uh, I'll see you then, buddy. All right, see you, Robs. <laughs>